Welcome to the five yard halo. We're back after a few week hiatus. Jack, Troy, and Alfred with you. No Josh or Malcolm this week, but we're excited to be back. Sorry about the little bit of a delay on getting back to you guys, but week 12 in the books now in the CFL. Troy, we had a pretty good weekend of CFL football, and uh, it got capped off by what was probably the biggest game, and we'll start there. The Edmonton Elks just beat the Ottawa Red Blacks. Trey Ford gets his second win and his third start. He almost won his first start as well. And now the Edmonton Elks are looking pretty good. They have two wins on the year. And if you look at their schedule, they can probably go 6-12 and 12 if all the things fall into the right place. But I guess this goes back to our question earlier in the year. Why didn't Trey Ford start earlier in the season? Why did it take them so long to put Trey Ford on the field? This guy has been dynamite in his first three starts this year. And it only makes the decision not to play him look even more idiotic. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, It really makes me wonder what was happening in practice that Trey Ford was supposedly so bad and Taylor Cornelius was looking like, according to Chris Jones in the front office who gave him a pretty decent-sized contract, um, how, how he looked or how he got as many chances as he did. Because you watch Trey Ford this week, you watch Trey Ford last week. Heck, as you said, even if you watch Trey Ford against Winnipeg, especially in the first half, um, he's been balling, man. So congratulations. I just want to say that too. Congratulations to the Elks, the players, the staff, uh, especially the fans, the ones who's kind of stuck through it through the entire losing streak. Um, you guys definitely deserve it today and uh, really, really happy for y'all. So, and as we said, if you've been listening to this show since the very, I guess before week one, we've been preaching. Should have been Trey Ford. And it really makes you wonder where the Elks would be had he been their starter from week one. They they, they would I I would say right now, based off what I've seen, and it's been obviously a smaller sample size than we've seen from uh Calgary or Saskatchewan. But if Trey Ford starts week one, I think Edmonton is very clearly planted in the number three spot in the West. Well, I, my, one of my first thoughts was I think that this team is like five and six or six and five. If Trey Ford has been the starter since the beginning of the season, again, from what we've seen, we obviously will never know how those games at the beginning of the year would have gone. Um, but from everything we've seen, it seems like Trey Ford could have had this team around 500 and they could have been a competitive football team could have saved their president's job who got axed. Stephen McAdoo might still be calling the plays at Edmonton. Chris Jones wouldn't be on the hot seat. Like, there's a lot of things that might have happened differently if Trey Ford had started the year as the starting quarterback. He doesn't. He finished this game 15 of 18 for 317 yards and a touchdown, 10 carries for 74 yards and a touchdown. He's just so explosive and so dynamic when he has the ball. And there was a lot of people talking after the win against Hamilton where it's, yeah, he runs it well and he's, dynamic scrambling out of the pocket but he's not the best passer in the world and this week he goes off for 317 yards only has three incompletions and when you think he's going to scramble and you let him throw the ball he looks really good doing it yeah absolutely my brother and I it's funny you say that my brother and I had that conversation today watching the game he's like because I asked him straight up I was like right now if you were to start a CFL franchise you take passport out of the equation who are you picking Trey Ford or Dustin Crum and he said Dustin Crum, and I'm like, why? He's like, oh, he's a little more accurate. He, 
in the games we've seen him play than Trey Ford has been. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, then he's like, he gets bailed out by his receiver. You know, that touchdown throw to Geno. I'm like, yeah, Geno made a play on that. But he also placed it in a spot that only Geno could get it. So, for me, it's if that's obviously kind of an irrelevant question. I think you got to take Trey Ford. Um, but, yeah, it, it really, as I said, really makes me wonder why the Elks were so hesitant to go his way after things started so poorly. And the fact that they gave Taylor Cornelius so many chances, you know, we talk about how politics aren't as big of a thing in the CFL as it is well, down south. Well, clearly that's not true. Well, from from a fan perspective, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, you, you've been in a way different way heard the wall i was like i was like actually yeah i was like alfred's played in the cfl he probably has a different opinion on it than me but from a fan perspective generally speaking i see a lot of people discourse on like social media talking about oh well if you're canadian like if you come play in the cfl if you're good enough to play you're gonna play and obviously this situation here proves that i'm not saying like from my opinion because i mean i've talked to you guys obviously i have some other friends that like play in the cfl like i know a little bit better but i'm just saying generally speaking like the general public on social media kind of goes in that direction of oh if you're good enough in the cfl like you're gonna play and we've seen obviously with this situation of trey ford and taylor cornelius that that's not necessarily the case because they allocated all this money to cornelius they're kind of like okay well we have to play him like if we're gonna pay him this much we have to play him and obviously um trey ford has been the better better guy since the start so um yeah i guess edmonton at least they figured it out they could have continued to go on the path they were going and they probably would have gone winless so um yeah i guess just again congratulations to them alfred is there politics in the cfl (laughs) man man oh man like but, well, especially Alfred, lean I'll back. Just say this. Put your put your feet up on the couch. How does it no, make I'll you feel? I'll say this. I'll just Troy say this. I'll just say this. There's no politics in the CFL. I'll say this. There's the fact that you have to play Canadians and you have to, you know, there's that you have to mix around. You got Canadians coming from OUA, you know, D1, like. Those are two, yo, there could be a, a dude playing in, you know, Kingston, Ontario, and he's twice the football player as the dude who went D1 because his family lives in, you know, Tuscaloosa. Um, like, they'll give the dude from Tuscaloosa a thousand more chances than they'll give the dude from Kingston, Ontario, who just played, you know, probably the best football a person, you you know, in in the in Ontario could play. But he's not from Tuscaloosa, so you know what I'm saying? I, I'll just put that into perspective for you. But coming back to Trey Ford, um, my favorite part about this whole Trey Ford experience right now is that they threw him into the fire with Winnipeg, and he just destroyed everyone's expectations. Destroyed all of them. Like, he went shot for shot with Zach Caleros. And I'm pretty sure, wait, oh, then, well, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers because Caleros got injured in. And Drew Brown took over. But the fact that he went shot for shot with those guys, you know, blow for blow. And then he really came out. I wouldn't say he came out on top, but he showed that he could play ball. And then the following week, you see him get that win. And now they're going back-to-back wins. And they're breaking the longest, you know, home streak franchise 
I mean, home losing streak a franchise has ever seen in pro sports history, in North American pro sports history. But, like, that is, like, my favorite part. It's, like, all this naysaying and all this, oh, he can't do this, can't do that. Bro, he just literally just, like, told everyone to shut up. Like, and that's my favorite part about everything, the whole experience right now. That's he's, all I got to say. He's built different, man. Like, this isn't, like, the average kid who came up through U Sports football, the average Canadian uh, playing quarterback. Like, this, this guy is different, and he's starting to show it now that he's been given the opportunity and the health spin there. Obviously, last year he got the shot. He beat Hamilton on the road, and then he got hurt, and we know how the story played out from there. Uh, on the flip side, the Ottawa Red Blacks lose their fifth game in a row. They're now 3-8 and eight on the year, and it really seems like they're solidified in the basement of the CFL East Division because, Troy, your Hamilton Tiger Cats beat the BC Lions on the road on Saturday night. 30-13 to 13 the final. Hamilton moves to 4-6. and six. BC drops to 7-4. and four. They're two games back of Winnipeg in the standings. But how big of a win is that for the Hamilton Tiger Cats and, oh, yeah. a, and a fan like yourself, Troy? Yeah, oh, oh yeah. I'm going to say I had I gave Hamilton zero chance to win yesterday. Uh, yeah, talk so, your stuff, though. Talk your yeah, stuff. I mean, James Butler revenge game. It, uh, like, I, I had a feeling that going into the game, if they're going to stand any chance, he was going to have to do exactly what he did. And uh, thankfully he did it. So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty surprising result. But hopefully this is a game and a, um, an opponent. You know, BC, they showed the stat, has been basically unbeatable at home this season. Um, so for Hamilton to go in and do that and I think play, thoroughly outplay BC for four quarters um, is huge for their confidence. And, you know, they got the always massive Labor Day game coming up against Toronto. You know, if they can go string together a couple huge back-to-back wins against two of the top three teams in the league, I think that goes a long way towards their confidence. But they still need to prove to me that this wasn't a one-off game, right? You know, we've seen teams this year, Ottawa, for example, go in and beat Winnipeg, and they're still 3-8 and eight at this point in the season. So they need to show me that this wasn't a one-off type of game that they can build on this. And, you know, I they don't necessarily need to beat Toronto, on Labor Day Monday, but they need to be able to show that they can compete with them more than they have the last two meetings. And then I'll actually start to believe that, okay, that was a building block. Because if they go on Monday and get blown out, like they kind of have the last two times against Toronto, you're right back at square. Uh, excuse me. You're right back at square one. So, um, yeah, happy with the performance. James Butler, um, I've been a big fan of him. Uh, all season, he's definitely been a firecracker of the week for me, and uh, yeah, it, it was a pretty big, uh, pretty big game for them. Alpha, what's going up. on with what's going on with BC right now? Uh, honestly, you know, they don't have their, you know, they don't have their wide receiver one right now. Um, I don't think I, I think Dominique not being in the lineup is. Wait, was he in the lineup last game? I don't think he was, right? He hasn't been in the lineup for a couple of weeks now. No. But, yeah, so I don't think him not being in the lineup for an extended period of time has, you know, fared well for them. Um, but also it's just like, you know, it's a long season. CFL is a very, very long season. 18 weeks or 18 games. You know, you got to play lots of teams multiple times. So um, it's, you know, it could be some fatigue. 
you know, their wide receiver core is kind of banged up and whatnot. You know, they're going through a couple injuries, you know, VA coming off an injury and coming back and whatnot. But <clears throat> I definitely don't think, you know, BC's in trouble. Um, I think, you know, by the time playoffs comes around, I think they're going to be okay, locked and loaded and ready to go. But I definitely think, you know, that if a team's going to struggle, and we, we've just been, become so accustomed to teams, like the best teams in the league, not struggling. So, like, Winnipeg going, what, the last two years, two, three years with about four losses, four or five losses on their schedule. So, um, yeah, we just become accustomed to, like, the top teams not losing. So I think stuff like this is going to happen um, for, you know, a team that's, you know, on up and coming like BC. But, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be too worried about them. Um, I definitely think once they're healthy and ready to go, you know, when November and October comes around, I think they're going to be okay. There was a moment yesterday that I do want to ask you about, and it was on – it was a second down, and Javon Katoy fumbled, and Hamilton recovered the ball. I think it was early in the fourth quarter, and they showed a shot of Alexander Hollins coming off the field, and he just chucks his helmet, like, in disgust. Is that something that concerns you at all? Because that was kind of the first time this year I've seen – kind of anything of that nature from BC or I was kind of like, whoa, that was not something that I really expected to happen. No, no, that's just football, man. You know, guys are going to get frustrated. Guys are going to be, you know, mad about, you know, things not going their way. And especially a team like BC that's been, you know, dominant at the start of the year, you know, now they're seeing a little bit of, you know, some, you know, step, some setbacks and whatnot. Um, so I definitely think that's, I mean, if he's throwing it at guys, guys getting chippy with each other, you know, if those things are, you know, happening more often, then obviously then it's a problem. But I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's a problem right now. I don't think it's too, I think it's too early to be concerned. That's what I'm trying to say. I think it's too early to be concerned about him. Um, I, again, I think it's the luxury of watching Winnipeg the last three years and seeing them just, you know, be an absolute juggernaut. I think that's kind of like that kind of spoiled us to seeing a top team struggle. So, um, yeah, I don't think they'll, I don't think it's uh, an issue. Well, and you mentioned that too. And it also helps like you're, like I mentioned, you're two games back of Winnipeg, but you're also two games up on Saskatchewan right now. So they're pretty locked into that second spot at the moment. Like as long as this doesn't like this, this fall doesn't become an, become an avalanche. BC will be okay, right? Like, if you can get it back. And, you know, I think what Troy is asking is, like, hey, is this going to be a ripple effect that we're going to see, like, farther and farther down the line? Like, they don't have an easy game this week coming up. They play Montreal on Saturday night on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think of the group of Labor Day games, just in purely based off the matchup, like team versus team, I think BC-Montreal is probably most intriguing for me just – based off that reason, you know. Other than this week against uh, Winnipeg, which we'll get into later, Montreal have been rolling. Um, and BC, obviously, backpack losses against Hamilton and uh, Saskatchewan. So, um, yeah, very intrigued by that matchup for sure. All right, well, let's get into that uh, that game that Montreal played this week. They uh, Thursday night, it was a little bit slow. There was a bit of a weather delay. It was 20-17 to 17 for Winnipeg at the half. 
and then they exploded for 27 points in the second half, and they rolled to a 47-17 win over the Montreal Alouettes. Montreal drops to 6-4. and four. Winnipeg is 9-2 and two and look better than a lot of people have really thought and projected they would look at this point in the season, and they're getting hot as we hit just over the midway point of the CFL season. Um, so what was the difference in the second half here, Troy? You know, I just think Zach Claros got more comfortable um, in the pocket. You know, he'd been out a couple of weeks due to injury and uh, threw two pick sixes in the first half, obviously. But I think kind of once the nice thing about having a guy like Zach Claros as your quarterback is he can throw three pick sixes in the half and you know he's going to come back and not really lose any confidence or he's going to be <laughs> the same guy like. That's that's the beautiful thing about him is he's so consistent like in how he is as a person that you know what happened in the first half just doesn't phase him. They just go about their business, they make their adjustments, and uh, you know they get back to kind of playing Winnipeg Blue Bombers football and um, yeah, like it's crazy to watch the Bombers and watch Claros you know throw three interceptions in a game and they still win by you know, 20 plus. So, um, yeah, Brady Oliveira close. He's closing on a thousand yards already. And we're just hitting the Labor Day break. Um, and that helps. They've got a really balanced offense and, uh, their offensive line, I think has started to really pick it up in the first, the last couple of weeks. Cause you know, the first four or five games of the season, you know, they, they were still good. They were still above league average, but not really what we expect from Winnipeg. And uh, I think they've kind of gotten back to that level of excellence that we expect from them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, Winnipeg is—they're starting to roll. I mean that that uh, that um, that game with Caleros throwing those three picks. That, wasn't it two pick sixes too? Like yeah. only Caleros could do that, and then still blow out a, blow out a team by thirty. You know, like. <laughs> Like, it's like, if you look at the stat sheet, you you think it'd be a closer game. You know what I'm saying? If you look at everything except for the yards and all that stuff, you see two pick sixes and, you know, a couple picks. And you just want, you'd be like, oh, this probably was a close game. And he's, they still blew him up by 30. Still blew him up by 30. So, um, I definitely see, you know, Winnipeg getting back to that, you know, that form, that juggernaut form that they've. They've been so famous for the last few years. But, um, yeah, I don't see them, you know, having those types of hiccups where they, you know, they have a loss to, like, Ottawa and all that stuff. I don't see them ha that stuff happening to them consistently or again this season. So I definitely think they're in that, you know, that late October, November form right now. I think they're reaching that right now. Well, and, you know, you bring up the two pick sixes. Montreal only had 17 points, right? Like, those were their two mm -hmm. majors in the game. Their offense was not good. Uh, yeah. Cody Fajardo only had 142 yards through the air. He also threw an interception. They only had 42 rushing yards in the game. You compare that to Winnipeg. 251 yards through the air. Four touchdowns for Calaris, but like you mentioned, it was really six because he did throw two interceptions for touchdowns and an extra one to boot. But they also had 196 yards on the ground on uh, 29 carries 
Um, so the Winnipeg Blue Bombers offense was clicking. They were getting yards. They were able to march down the field. And Montreal just couldn't get anything to go. And obviously, your opponent plays a factor. Winnipeg is one of, if not the best team in the Canadian Football League. But if you're Montreal and you want to solidify yourself as a solid contender in the East with Toronto and with Hamilton starting you know, to heat up and hopefully they can build off their win this week against BC, um, where do you go from here if you're Montreal? Yeah, they're... they're... They're in that kind of weird gray area of they're not part of the top three teams, but they're better than kind of the lower half of the league, you know. And their schedule has been pretty forgiving. They've beaten Hamilton twice. You know, they beat Ottawa. I guess I had to come from behind to beat Ottawa. But it's it's weird. Like, I think Montreal is a good team, but they're not a great team. They're not really able to elevate themselves to – they're the upper echelon of the league, but they're also good enough to kind of push past the rest of, you know, kind of Hamilton, Ottawa, Calgary, Saskatchewan type of thing. But I really, I, I, I've said this multiple times before. I still have no clue, like, what I think of the Alouettes. Like, they still, to me, don't really have an identity. Um, over the last couple of weeks, I thought Caleb Evans has given them the better chance to win games at quarterback than Cody Fajardo. And, you know, him coming in to play Winnipeg, I think, is kind of a bad um, first game back from injury because in his career, Winnipeg has been the team by far that he struggled the most against. I think he has one touchdown, nine interceptions. Yeah. Like, so what's that? I said he thought he was straightforward. Could come yeah. in and ball yeah. out against Winnipeg. Yeah, literally. So, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. I'm going to assume he's going to start versus BC, but if he has another similar performance that he does or that he did on Thursday night, I think you're going to see uh, more Caleb Evans moving forward. Well, and it doesn't get much easier for Montreal either, right? Like they, I, we mentioned it with BC, they got a tough game coming up against the Alouettes. The Alouettes have a just as equally as tough going against the BC Lions, two teams who kind of have to turn it around after their performances this past weekend. Let's go to the last game in week 12, the Toronto Argonauts during the CNE, a ticket to the Argo game, got you into the CNE. I think it was 17,000, which for BMO is a really, really good crowd. Um, it looked pretty full except for that upper deck on the ones on the side that the TV cameras show um, that they don't sell tickets for. Um, I just don't know why they, they couldn't like, Put the cameras on the other side of the field. You know, like, yeah. there's there's a lot. I, I do understand, like, if you've gone to BMO Field um, and you sit on the side that looks at, like, the press box and the bench side, sun, eh? the sun is directly yeah. in your eyes. Like, it's yeah, the yeah, worst. Yeah, yeah. So they don't want the cameras looking at that. And then they don't want the, the benches looking at that. And then, like, the other – they don't want to put – the majority of the fans on that side of the field where they're looking into the sun the whole time. So I understand why they do it. I just don't I love it because it, it makes it look so much worse on TV than it actually is. Like when you watch an Argo game and like that far side of the field is like half full and then they show the other side of the field and it's like, oh, that is full, full like that. Like there's a ton of people over there. Um, 
But it was a great game for that crowd uh, to get to see the Argos win 39-31 over Calgary, who's the only team that's beaten them this year. Uh, so the Toronto Argonauts moved to 8-1 and one on the season. Really good game um, for a number of guys. Chad Kelly was 20 of 31 for 361 yards and three touchdowns. He did have two interceptions in the game, um, but did get the win. Jake Mayer was 25 of 42 for 387 and four touchdowns. Um, but the Argos were able to come away with the victory, beat the Stampeders. Stampeders continue to spiral. The Argos continue to roll even after their loss against Calgary a couple weeks ago. Uh, what did you guys think of this one? Yeah, I think this was game of the year so far. You know, the Argos have a couple candidates this season against Ottawa, against Montreal. You could argue those um, two games. But I think this game... It was like I was doing a fantasy football draft and I was watching the game. And I was like, every time I looked up, there was a deep ball going for a touchdown or, you know, the the uh, score has changed and the other team was leading. And, you know, it truly felt like the best encapsulation of CFL football where the team that had the ball last was likely going to be the team that won. And uh, Jake Mayer, you know, throws for 300, close to 400 yards and four touchdowns, and the Stamps still lose. Um, it's just the, it's Stamps- the perfect encapsulation of the Calgary Stampeders because next week he'll throw for 154 yards and they'll win by 10. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's so weird because you watch the week before and the defense plays so well, but the offense was so putrid. And then the offense finally picks it up and the defense stinks, you know? And it's just like they haven't been able to kind of get all three phases of their team going at once. So even that game where they beat Toronto a couple weeks ago, it was off the back of Diedrich Mills, who that was kind of the difference in the game on Friday night was the fact that Diedrich Mills finished with 46 rushing yards instead of the 150-plus or whatever it was a couple weeks ago. So... Um, yeah, the Stamps just need to kind of find a way to put it all together and have the defense and offense like coinciding and playing well together because it definitely seems like you get one, a really good performance from one side and then the other side is really bad and then vice versa, just flip-flops. Because as you said, I, I would not be surprised if he throws for, yeah, 165 yards but the defense forces like two turnovers and the Stamps beat the Alps by 10 points because the defense was unreal. I just found it was so interesting because, like you said, like every time you turn back to the TV, there was a deep ball. There was, you know, there was another touchdown. The scores changed. The Argos seemed to be pulling away at the beginning and then Calgary comes storming back. The Argos take the lead into half uh, and then they're eventually able to win by eight points. Um, because they outscored Calgary eight to nothing in the fourth quarter, like it was a tied game going into the fourth quarter. Um, but I think it really just shows like where those two teams are. Like the Argos are king of the hill right now. Um, they know how to win close games. They've proven that they can win close games. And there's something to be said about that for really good teams is to be able to win those close games. Uh, and the Calgary Stampeders are trying to be a good team, um, but they just aren't able to put together the moments when they need it the most to win those close games against the team that is at the top of the hill when you talk about Winnipeg and Toronto right now. 
Yeah. Well, I just want to say one thing too. You in the group chat, and this must have been three, four weeks ago, we're talking about how Javon Leak was the best returner in the CFL, and I kind of clowned on you a little bit and was like, well, Mario Alford is still in the league. Well, Javon Leak is the best returner in the CFL right now. He's got, what, four punt return touchdowns? Yeah, I don't think anyone... anyone I don't think anyone else in the league even has two. For, Maybe Chandler Worthy. Well, I think it Mario was... Alford had two in one game. I thought one of them got called back due to penalty. No, he had, no, he had two in one game. Okay, all right. Well, Mario Alford has two, but... Also, Jamarian Grant had two in one game, too. Okay. But so Jamarian Grant's been injured. Joy. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, okay. Wake up, pal. Just, just, yeah. just throw whatever I just said out the window. But, uh, yeah... So I would, I would say Javon Leak is the most explosive returner in the CFL right now. Like, yeah. Right now. Yeah. If you were picking your returner. Alfred doesn't agree. He would still say Mario. I'm, no, 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 I'm no, no. I'm saying Janorian Grant has been injured the entire season. So, so he's not, not the most explosive returner in the CFL. I, I'm just, right I'm, I'm just going to make a, I'm just going to make an argument. I'm hearing for what Janorian you're saying. Grant. I'm hearing it's what you're true. saying. But Javon Leak is number one. Javon Consensus Leak is the one. most explosive returner in the CFL right now, is what I said. Yes yeah, or no? He's he's the yes. he is the best. He is the best. Thank if you. We, if we had to rank returners right now, based off of you know, obviously, as you said, Grant is injured. But if he wasn't, how would you rank them one to three? I mean, honestly, I would still. I think and Grant, with like, if he was not injured, I'd say it's one A, one B. Even if they didn't have the same amount of uh, return. Touchdown. Like you're Javon League over Mario Alford right now. Oh, easily, easily for sure. And you're for saying sure. he's one B with Janarian Grant. Yes. You know what's crazy? I'm saying Gener- I'm saying Janarian Grant is better than Mario Alford as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously. I'm saying. Yeah. You know what's crazy is how many good returners we have in this league that we're talking about Leak, Grant, and uh, then oh, yeah. uh, Mario. Throw your tight cat, buddy. Throw your tight no, cat, buddy. No, no, we we have we haven't even we haven't even talked about Chandler Worthy. Okay. Oh, okay. Like, I thought. I, thought, I, 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 thought like, I like Tyre- I like Tyreek McAllister. I think he's going to be a good young up and coming returner. But I mean, he's the only two punt return touchdowns he's had have been called back, so you can't really put him in that conversation yet. I do think he's explosive. I like what he does, but it's just crazy how many returners, you know, Devontae Dedman, he's injured right now. He, two years ago, the argument would be he's the best returner in the league. Um, it's, just, it's just crazy. Like, it seems like you look at every team's roster and you go, wow, that guy's a really, that team is a really good returner. Wow, that guy's really good. So it's just crazy that, you know, one to three, you could throw a multitude of names in there and you're not necessarily wrong on that fact. So it's just, yeah. Javon Leak had 10 returns between kickoff and punt that combined for 243 yards in that game against Calgary. That's a lot of running, man. Yeah. I'm tired just thinking about it. Yeah, that, that is running. exhausting to think about. And that's, yeah. that doesn't include, obviously, the side-to-side running he's doing as well. <laughs> like no, that's runs. just like that's north-south. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, not, that's not even yeah. going like east-west. Imagine what yeah. changing direction. Yeah. yeah, imagine what east and west is. Yeah, That's at I would least love, another sixty. I would, I would love to see like someone track him in a game, all yards included, like sideline to sideline, and you know, as you said, um, yeah, 
that, be crazy, that would have been a really good game. Like if somebody wanted to go back and, and yeah. do it, that would be the game to do it. Uh, yeah. Also, too, defensively, even though Calgary put up 31 points on them, they had almost 400 yards thrown on them. Um, um, the Argos defense was getting home. And that was, you know, really impressive, too. They were able to to get back. A lot of guys on the defense had really good games. Um, uh, Ori Malade had three sacks in the game. Jamal Peters, uh, McManus, Pickett, uh, Dwayne Hendricks had a really good game. Royce Mechie had a huge hit uh, at one point. Um, I was really impressed with him. Um, Quantez Stiggers was, was in and around the ball all the time. So I was really impressed with the Argos defense, too, even though, Calgary did put up 31, but it's just kind of the the expectation at this point with the with the Argos is that the defense is going to be that good because they just have studs all over the field. Yeah, well, it just goes to show how good the Argos are because, as we said, Jake Mayer had close to 400 yards, four touchdowns. Reggie Bagleton, we haven't even mentioned him. He had nine catches for over 200 yards. And the stamps, you you if you just showed me those stat lines like between those two players, you go oh. Well, Calgary probably won the game. And then you look at kind of what Toronto did on the other side, and then you go, ah, like, okay, I can see how Toronto came through. But just, yeah, as I said, just goes to show, like, how good all three phases of the Argos team is right now because the difference was the Javon Leak punt return touchdown. So, you know, Calgary was playing pretty level with Toronto, both offensive and defensive um, possessions, and then Toronto special teams just goes, okay, watch this. We'll we'll win this game uh, ourselves. So, yeah, it's uh, unfortunately for me being a Ticat fan, it really hurts to say, but it's pretty impressive to watch uh, how the Argos win football games. Uh, I I could imagine. I wouldn't know the feeling. Um, <laughs> well, you would a few years ago. Yeah, but then you know <laughs> they would go to the Great Cup and it would yeah, okay. Cup. Don't need to get into this. <laughs> All right, West. Yeah, every episode. It could be a whole episode if you want. Uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers are in first in the West Division. BC's in second. Saskatchewan's in third at five and five. Calgary in fourth at three and eight. Edmonton in fifth at two and nine. And all of a sudden, that battle of Alberta uh, on the Labor Day Classic gets a little bit more interesting this weekend um, when the Calgary Stampeders host the Edmonton Elks. That's Monday night at 7 p.m. We'll go through this week's slate. In just a minute, the Toronto Argonauts eight and one. They lead the East Division. Montreal six and four in second. Hamilton four and six in third. And the Ottawa Red Blacks three and eight in fourth place in the East Division. So it doesn't seem like at this point we're looking at a crossover either way. But the season could play out. We could see something interesting. Um, obviously, Hamilton would have to string together some more wins with eight games remaining in their schedule. The Argos have played the least amount of games in the Canadian football league with nine. So they're only halfway through their schedule, but they are done all three of their buys already. Um, I also wanted to mention that they have the second most points in the Canadian football league with 307. The only team that has more is Winnipeg, but they've played two more games and they only have 37 more points than the Argos do. So that's, where we are uh, with the Argos at this point. They're also 5-0 and now at home at BMO Field. Um, so as much as people want to clown on BMO Field and Argos fans, um, the Argos are the only team to have not lost uh, at home so far 
this season. All right, before we get into next week's games, boys, let's talk about your party starter of the week. Who was the guy who you thought got everything going for their squad in week number 12 in the CFL, Alfred? I just want to say it's been a long time coming, you know, 1,415 days. And he did it. Not only did he start the party, but he started a revolution. All right. He goes by Trey. Last name Ford. You know what? His new last name could be Tough. Trey Ford Tough. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Basically, <laughs> basically, Trey Ford is my party starter of the week. Man, that dude, um, for someone who tormented me for the majority of my football career, um, I've become a real big Trey Ford fan. Um, like, like, I, man, he... He did some great things today. I wish he, you know, he could have had two tuds to Gino, but we're not going to talk about that. We're just going to talk about the positives. You know, he put a franchise on his back, put a city on his back. Um, you know, he's been outperforming all the doubters and naysayers. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, that, what the way he played last night, getting up, pointing first down, you know, Gary Cole, I think it's Gary Coleman. But uh, Coleman on... Or Douglas Coleman, I should say. Douglas Coleman on Ottawa was honestly trying to murder that man all day long. And he just brushed it off. And he just kept on balling. Kept on pointing first downs. Man, that's my party starter of the, party starter of the week. Trey Ford Tough. What was uh, what was Trey Ford's quote at halftime when they were playing Hamilton? It was like similar to the Geno Lewis. Uh, yeah. No, Geno Smith quote, where it was like, they can talk about me. Trying to write me off, but I didn't write finish. back. Yeah. What's that? What did he say? What did he He's trying to write me off, but he, I didn't I think he off. said, yeah. like, they, like, yeah, the, like, Geno was, um, they he's like, like, wrote about me, yeah. but I ain't writing back. And then, but Trey was like, they want to talk about me, but I'm not listening. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was something like that. Like, it was a little bit different, but it was on the same lines. That was fire. I was like, man. That was electric. Bro's made for TV. He's made for the Canadian football league. Yeah, I mean, he's probably going to have a pretty good career in broadcasting after his playing career. <laughs> you <over>. don't say. <laughs> you don't say. Um, for me, yeah. Obviously, Trey Ford's the easy one for the week. But uh, from a Hamilton Tiger Cat perspective, I haven't had the chance to give out many to guys off the Tiger Cats. So <laughs> Let's go. Pretty, pretty obvious one for me. James Butler um, <laughs> had over 100 yards rushing, 118 <laughs> 24 touches, um, over 150 yards total, two touchdowns. He he told he told a bunch of his former teammates ahead of the game. He went out for dinner with them the night before. He said, I'm scoring two touchdowns about it. And you guys are going to be able to do anything um, about it. And, you know, he, he said after the game, it was personal. And you could tell by the way he was running, it was definitely personal. Uh, got the whole offense going. Defense was able to feed off that energy. So for me, James Butler is uh, the party starter of the week. All right. Well, I am going to go with a Toronto Argonaut. I was going to go with Trey Ford, but I'll give Alfred his moment <clears throat> uh, and his <laughs> shitty ass <laughs> promo too. 
Um, uh, I think it's an easy one for me. We talked about him a lot. Javon Leak. Um, that punt return was the difference in the football game. Uh, and anytime you get a big return like that, it's a jolt of energy to the fans, especially when you're playing at home. It's a jolt of energy to the sideline. It's a jolt of energy to the offense because you're giving them more rest. They don't have to go back out onto the field. They can sit back and relax a little bit. And it gets the defense pumped up because they just got to stop. You were able to put points on the board immediately. And now they get to go back out and pin their ears back and beat the crap out of Calgary on the other side. Um, <clears throat> so Javon Leak is my party starter of the week. So Trey Ford, James Butler, friend of the show, James Butler, and Jamie. Javon Leak um, are our party starters of the week. All right, we don't have betting lines for these games yet because we're doing this recording so early in the week. But let's talk about what you guys think are, is going to happen, starting with our first game of the week. First game of the week doesn't happen until Saturday because it's Labor Day weekend. So we have one game Saturday, one game Sunday, uh, one game Monday afternoon, one game Monday night. Three of the four games start at 7 p.m. So let's start with our Saturday game. The BC Lions <laughs> head to Montreal to take on the Alouettes. And like you said, Troy, this is probably the most intriguing matchup of the weekend on Labor Day weekend. And it's not one of the traditional matchups that we have. Um, who do you like in this one? What do you think is going to happen between the Alouettes and the Lions? Yeah, I like the Lions. As I said, I know more about what BC is, I think, than Montreal. Um, and I just trust Vernon Adams Jr. more than I trust Cody Fajardo. So the fact that the game's in Montreal and they had a couple more days to prepare, maybe that gives them a slight advantage or kind of evens the playing field a little more. But, um, you know, I think BC's going to come in and prove that maybe these last two weeks were just kind of a lull in their season and they're going to get right back on track and prove that they are one of the top three teams in the CFL instead of kind of being in that middle ground with the Alouettes. Alfred? Yeah. Yeah. Who do you um, like between BC and Montreal? Bro's thinking hard. Oh, my goodness. His, uh, his, his dead air is electric for the people listening to this <laughs> podcast. I can just see the BC wheels in his head. I'm going to go Montreal. At home. Montreal at home. Yeah. Why? I don't. I don't actually think Montreal is going to win, though. But um, no, BC's. I, I definitely think BC's going to win. Uh, it just really depends on that receiving core and who's available and who's not. I think that's what it comes down to because they have both have pretty good defenses. Um, both have decent run games, so it's like a pretty even matchup. Uh, it just comes down to QB play and you know that wide receiving core. So I think whoever has the more healthy wide receiving core wins i think this one's going to be close um i like the bc lions in it um i think that's that's the way i'm going to go i i think what troy said was kind of bang on there that i trust vernon adams a little bit more than i trust cody fajardo and by a little bit i mean a lot um but like this totally seems like a game that cody fajardo is going to come out and throw for 350 and five touchdowns like that's just the way that he operates um, his teams have operated in the past because he had such a bad game last week. He's going to come out this week and dominate and be like, oh, no, he is the number one quarterback. He is a guy who can lead Montreal to a great cup. Um, 
So it's going to be interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a game like that, but BC's defense is too good. Um, and I think their offense has enough weapons to kind of weather the storm, even though I really do like Montreal's defense as well. So I'm going with BC. Winnipeg, Saskatchewan in Saskatchewan at Mosaic Stadium. The Blue Bombers coming off a huge win against Montreal. They're 9-2. and two. Saskatchewan is 5-5. Five and five. Alfred, I'll start with you. Who do you like in this one? That is going to be a Winnipeg Blue Bomber win. I don't want to go favorites, man. I don't. I don't want to make it, but I also don't want to make it a chess match. Like, um, I de- <laughs> like. I think Winnipeg's gonna win. Could very well not be their day, but uh, they're gonna win. And plus, they have the Banjo Bowl the following week, so um, yeah, it could go. They could go back to back. So I, I th- yeah, yeah, Winnipeg goes. Winnipeg clears. Yeah, I gotta agree, but I, I do gotta say this matchup got a lot more intriguing for me after Saskatchewan's win against BC. Jake Dalagala proved he could move the ball downfield, take some shots. Um, you know, I, I still think Winnipeg is. Well, I mean, I don't think they're obviously the better team, but Labor Day, man, we've seen it a bunch of years, um, especially between the Prairie rivals and the Ontario rivals were just weird stuff happens on Labor Day. So it doesn't matter what the records are. There were, I remember specifically one year, I think it was 2011. Winnipeg was seven and two. Saskatchewan was two and seven. Winnipeg made a billboard talking about it that were the same, but we're just a little backwards. And then Saskatchewan goes out and rolled Winnipeg by like 25 points in back-to-back weeks. And so, yeah, I think Ryder fans are going to show out, obviously, for the game, I'm going to be there live, humble brag. I'm very excited for it. I've obviously been to the Calgary-Edmonton Labor Day game, but never been to Regina um, for that one. So that should be cool. I'm really excited to see the atmosphere. And, uh, you know, I think it'll be a close game. It doesn't matter, again, what the records are. Funny stuff happens on Labor Day. And I think every 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 game between Saskatchewan and Winnipeg on Labor Day is always close. So I like Winnipeg, but I think it'll be a lot closer than a lot of people would predict it to be. And I really hope the Saskatchewan fans show up for this one and really push behind their team because um, when the fans are into it, especially on Labor Day weekend, it makes it so much more fun. Um, And Saskatchewan's going to need all the help they can get because Winnipeg's coming in hot to this one. I like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I won't dive into it too much. They just all around really solid team, and I just – have so many question marks about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders right now. I really don't. The same way you don't understand where Montreal is right now, Troy, I don't really understand where Saskatchewan is or what they are so far this year. All right, let's go to Labor Day Monday starting in Hamilton, Ontario. The Hamilton Tiger Cats are hosting the Toronto Argonauts. Third matchup of the season between these two teams. The Argos have taken both of the first two contests. They won one at home. They won one on the road. The Argos are eight and one. The Tiger Cats are four and six. Troy, who's winning this one between your Hamilton Tiger Cats and my Toronto Argonauts? Yeah, I mean, my heart obviously says the Tiger Cats, um, and for similar reasons that I said for the Winnipeg Saskatchewan game, just weird <laughs> stuff happens Labor Day weekend, and you know, you just throw the records out the window. But it's it's really hard for me to 
go against Toronto, as I said, just purely based off what we saw last or this past week where Jake Mayer has a heck of a game, Reggie Bagleton has a heck of a game, and the Stamps still don't win. So um, Taylor Powell, he's definitely shown signs of improvement, but it's hard for me to pick him uh, to beat the Argos. So I, I like the Argos in that game. Alfred? I am going... Have some faith. Have some faith, buddy. Troy, have some faith. I'm going Hamilton. I, I mean, I'm obviously hoping for Hamilton to win, but if you were to ask like, me... Yeah, the boys just had a big... Bias. They just had a big old win. Uh, you know, know. big-time upset. You know, know. rolling I, into the next game, Labor Day weekend. Come on, I, man. I'm just saying, I need to see consistency. Come if on. they come in and... I mean, man, I will come on this show next week and I'll eat... The biggest crow you want to serve to me, if they're able to listen. Come out no one's nervous. No one's serving you no tight cat crow. No one's serving you no tight cat crow. That's for sure. About but tight cat chicken. Tight cat chicken. <laughs> okay, <laughs> baby. But I'm just saying, have some faith in the boys, man. It's it's Labor Day weekend. They always they always have a good Labor Day weekend. But I'm gonna go with tight cats, uh, just cause, just to mix it up. Just cause, know, I just to mix it. Huh? Just because I won't? No, it's just also it's Labor Day weekend. It's going to be a full house. It's like, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be insanely packed. It's going to be yellow and black everywhere. Um, You know, maybe a little blue and double blue action just because, you know, they're a, Toronto's a little hot commodity right now. But, um, yeah. Fresh jerseys. God, those are so good. I love those Ticat grays. They're so nice. Yeah, like the boys. The boys are gonna be rolling, feeling good. They just came off a big dub, you know. So I could definitely see the Ticats, you know, making it a game, you know, maybe you know just squeezing one out. But I'm gonna go Ticats. I'm gonna yeah, go Ticats. Don't quote me though. Don't quote me. Don't I, quote me. I definitely think it'll be a close game. Like, you know. I think Taylor Powell is a better option than what Hamilton had starting a quarterback in last year's Labor Day and Jamie Newman. Um, and they were still in that game till the very end. So, you know, I'll be happily surprised if Hamilton wins that game. But just everything outside of the BC game that I've seen has not given me enough confidence to come on here and say, yeah, Hamilton's going to beat Toronto on Labor Day. So. Yeah, it won't even be close. The Argos are going to smoke them. Um, let's move on. Edmonton going on the road to take on the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, Calgary 3-8. and eight. Edmonton started the year 0-9. Oh, They're 2-9. and nine. Can Trey Ford make it three wins in a row and take one on Labor Day Monday against the Calgary Stampeders? Alfred, who do you think is going to win? Battle of Alberta, eh? This is, might be the spiciest Battle of Alberta for, in a long time. Just because we actually got a QB in the green and gold. Um, but let's see. Who? Where are they at? Is it Commonwealth in, or? In Calgary. In Calgary. In Calgary? Mose, uh, not Mosaic. McMahon. Mcmahon? Yeah, good old McMahon. Like comfy. I'm going Edmonton. I'm going Edmonton. I'm riding the wave. I'm riding the wave. I'm riding the wave, man. I'm all the way there. I. I was big on the I was big on Edmonton at the start of the year, um, you know, and I, I think it's you know the, the uh, trust is coming back. You know what I'm saying? 
I think I've seen enough to the point where I'm like, all right, these guys are, these guys might be something. But yeah, I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm going Edmonton all the way, three in a row. Make it three in a row, man. Yeah, you guys know when you listen to the first episode, the predictions when uh, Alfred said that Taylor Cornelius was gonna win MOP like way back. He just misspoke. He actually meant Trey Ford. Is that a whole Brita? Yep. Did you just take a drink of water from an entire Brita? Yeah. Not even use a cup? Yeah, that's how, like, my Brita, that's how I drink out of my Brita. I I don't like... Do you have multiple Britas in your house? Yeah, like four. Everybody has their own Brita. (laughs) Like, there's like a... (laughs) You all just, like, drink out of the Brita? No, I like my sister has a Brita water bottle. My mom has a Brita water bottle. We have two Brita jugs, and then I have my own Brita jug. So you have three Brita jugs. Yeah, and two In Brita water bottles. Man, get this guy a sponsorship, Brita. Jeez. Yeah, shoot. Like, hey, man. Hold on. I just honestly, I just like filtered water. Like I yeah, no, I I like I am drinking Brita water as well in my water bottle. Like in my Yeti water bottle. But also, I don't like the double. I feel like once it comes out, uh, the Brita, then it's a little bit. It tastes different. What? what like once you pour it into a different thing, like, it tastes different. Glass? Yeah, when you take like, glass, water bottle, whatever you, whatever you want to call it, cup, whatever it may be. Once you take it out the Brita and you pour it into something else, I always think it tastes different. Maybe it's mind over matter for me, but um, that's that why is I the drink craziest out of my thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah. That is why I drink straight out of my Brita. Yeah. So you have like your own. The spout is open. Like you, the spout isn't covered. So that Brita only... sitting. No, on no, no, no. The... no Listen, no, no, okay, hold on, anyways. hold on, hold on, hold on. That let me explain it for the people who are not watching on youtube and are listening to this podcast alfred has a brita and the spout is open and uncovered and then he leaves it on the counter so it doesn't stay on in the fridge but he says that when the water goes into the cup the particles from the air around the cup are going to kill him no, that's not, that's, that's what not, I'm taking away not, from this. That's, that's what I got from that too. I like. No, I'm I, saying. I'm saying the water genuinely just tastes better coming straight from the Brita. It's water. It just tastes better. I, I will say when you come home after like a workout or something, or you're like outside in the sun and the Brita's just sitting in the fridge, and you just drink it straight from the Brita, it does hit different. I have but never like, drank if it's sitting if it's sitting at, ever in my life. Well, I also I like room temperature yeah. water more than cold water. Yeah. Oh, what? it's way better for you too. That's completely different point. But, yeah, I drink. I yeah. rather I rather drink room temperature. If someone gives me, if I get asked for, a, unless I'm like, unless okay, so if it's like in a glass, it has to have ice in it, right? Ice with water with ice, that's fine, right? But if it's a cold, like if you give me a cold bottle of water, I'm gonna be like, I'm like, oh fuck, I don't, I, I just, I'm gonna like leave it there for a bit. Why? Just wait till it chills up, because I don't, I just don't like drinking cold water unless there's ice in it. It hurts your teeth. 
Not why? No, I just, bro, I'm, I just Fucking genuinely don't like it. Brush. Like, that's no rhyme or reason to it. You just don't like it. Don't like it. All right, I got some questions about Alfred. I hate. I've. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's just the. Be- I think we're just scratching the surface on this. Yeah. I have never drank straight from my Brita. I hate room temperature water. Like I will drink it if I have to, but like I need my water bottles cold or I need like the water from my Brita, mm-hmm. like my Brita in the fridge and the water to be cool- cooled down. And then so, I put it in like a Yeti water bottle with ice so that it stays cold all day. So even when it's cold, like below zero temperatures, you're still drinking cold water. What? What? What do you mean below zero? That's Lane, ice. What did you just like, ask me? What that's you, ice. Like, no, like, I don't yeah. suck on ice to get my water. No, 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 no. I'm talking about like when the weather outside like is below zero. You're still drinking like ice cold water. Yes. Yeah, that's that's weird to me too. If I want if I want a hot drink, I will put the kettle on and have a hot chocolate or a coffee or a tea. Like a non, tea. you know, depending you on the time of day. Yeah, I was going to say, no chance you drink tea. Yeah, I do. Okay. Do you know how many games that I broadcast from Labor Gotta Day save the vocals. until the end Gotta of keep April? The vocals warm. I cannot make it seven months without oh, drinking for, tea. Yeah, for that reason. With honey you're in it. Home, you're not sitting there looking going, oh, I need a tea tonight. Buddy, cold 911 from David's Tea. That is electric. It's like a mint, and it's non, it's non-caffeinated, so it won't keep me up all night. Because if I have any caffeine after like ten a.m., I'm not yeah. falling asleep. Yeah, you're up till seven a.m. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sleeping for like thirty minutes. But yes, if I want a glass of water in the winter, then Still I will pour a cold glass of my Brita filtered water. I hope hope this doesn't come across as like judgmental or rude, but you also seem like a guy that would enjoy a nice glass of milk. You seem like a guy that... (laughs) He said I don't want this to be judgmental or rude. (laughs) (laughs) The calmest calmest thing ever. The most non-insulting thing you could ever say, like what? No, it's uh, it, it like the, there is a stigmatism about people who I don't like. Who so are over the age of twenty twenty that drink milk. People to pre to preface that, I won't just like be like, ah, oh, I'm thirsty, milk, and then pour like a glass of milk. But I will have a glass of milk with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, or. If I'm eating cookies. I don't know why the way that you said that to me. I'm thirsty. Ah, milk got me so much, but that was that was funny. Like milk won't like it just like individually quench my thirst. Yeah. But a a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or um like chocolate chip cookies or like Oreos right. always a more more electric with a glass of milk. That's I don't that's think it. I've ever had a glass of milk in my life. That would be it. I do like if I have I haven't had cereal in so long, but if I if I do have cereal, I do like drink this the milk soup that come the like <laughs> flavored milk. Yeah. I have a question. I have a question. So we're talking about cereal. Uh like if you 
Okay. I'm just putting a lot of speci- I'm putting a lot of stuff out here right now. All right. Oh man. Yeah, really All right. So Alfred is a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. Bro's gonna tell us he makes spaghetti, doesn't put any sauce, any butter, no cheese, nothing. He just eats just Alfred cookie. Alfred puts milk in the bowl before putting in the cereal. Oh that's a psychopath. Is that is that what you were gonna say? I mean, I was going to try and avoid it, but I do do that. Oh, but, uh, oh no. Oh. Dude, I know. Okay, so this, like, the more you talk right now, the more this, like, Brita argument is going against you. <laughs> it's, like, honestly, there's a trend the more here. It makes sense as well. There's, 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 hey, like, like I, you were, I'm, you were I'm gonna fully ask, aware. Hold on. You were going to ask how we make our cereal. Like we no we, no no. What were you? No, gonna I wasn't ask? gonna ask that. I was gonna say like if you have cereal. So, like, perfect example of like why I do milk first is because I put the milk in and I put the cereal in, and then I'll eat it and then there's still milk left, so you put more cereal in. So, it's so like there would still be milk left. Yeah, if you put the there's cereal still in milk first. left if you put the cereal in first. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, mind blown. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I, I don't. Hey, listen, listen. Let's set the argument. Let's set the argument here. I was, <laughs> I was about to say, I you put more milk in and then you put more cereal in. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's somehow it's just magic. Bag, will you put it first? There's, there's still gonna be there's still gonna be <laughs> But anyway. <laughs> anyways, the point I'm trying to make is um I don't, Jack is know the I don't even know if I had a point anymore. Those, <laughs> those that can't see it, Jack is literally in tears crying right now. <laughs> just talked about that I drink the milk when I'm done with my cereal. I put my cereal in first and then the milk on top. It doesn't yeah, but, it doesn't matter what what or it doesn't matter what order you go in. Honestly, the reason I honestly whatever I was trying to the point I was trying to make was is irrelevant now cuz I don't think I was trying to make a point. I think I was trying to say is after you finish one bowl of cereal, do you just keep having more bowls of cereal? No, no, I don't. I personally don't. I drink the milk and I put the bowl in the dishwasher and go about my day. Okay, so I mean, I was trying to say it really depends. Like it depends how hungry I am. Yeah, like what I was gonna say. What time was my last meal the day before? Like if I'm having a bowl Uh, of cereal at like eight eight thirty in the morning, and it's like I haven't eaten since like four the previous day. Then yeah, I'll have to if I'm like really hungry. Okay, what time do but you usually, usually have cereal at? Like eight, eight thirty in the morning. Oh, so you only have cereal in the morning. I mean I have had it at night and then I like turn twelve. Cause I literally only have cereal at night. It's a breakfast food. Yeah, what do you eat in the morning then? Shit, I don't know. Dinner? 
Bro's eating pizza at 7 a.m. Alfred's clock. Bro, honest- like, since I've known Alfred, like, it was always the worst in the summer. How many years did you do summer school, Alfred? Oh, where? Like, in high school. I don't even know. Like, twice, maybe? So, okay, so two out of the three years, or out of the four years. The other two years, guaranteed, Alfred was going to bed at like 9 a.m. and waking up at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Guaranteed. I, mean, I still do that. I still do that today. <laughs> yeah. That. Uh, that's, <laughs> like, yeah. Like that, like that, Alfred's I, clock is actually backwards. So yeah. it does make sense to me. It does make sense to me that he eats cereal at night and then eats like Eat steak at 6 a.m. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that makes sense. Bro. But I, I'm going to be honest. Like, I I didn't know that was weird. Like, I'll eat a full plate of chicken and rice at, like, freaking 8 a.m. in the morning. I, I like, I don't. Yeah, that's not. That like, I, you know, I, everybody. I like breakfast food. I like breakfast food, but I don't like breakfast food in the morning unless it's, like, real early. See, but, like, I like waking up and, like, whether I'm cooking it or not, the smell of, like, sausage and bacon and eggs and coffee like that gets me excited for my day the smell of coffee in the morning like 7 a.m the smell of coffee i I get pissed off when i smell coffee i get get excited like i get excited at night thinking about my cup of coffee in the morning that's what i'm getting up for that's what i'm getting up for tomorrow you drink coffee Trey? no no, I don't. I drink coffee. The I, smell, the taste, it's all just awful. Delicious. I drink it's it black. It's definitely an acquired taste that I have not acquired. No, me I, neither. I drink it black. I've tried. Like, I've tried multiple times. Like, you know, even done kind of like the cappuccinos and like all that stuff. Like the iced coffee. Just doesn't matter. I just cannot get it. So iced coffee I do with almond milk and... Um, <laughs> yeah. Your Tim's order, your Starbucks order. Get her in. Yeah, so my Starbucks order, if I go to Starbucks in the morning for breakfast, it's the double-smoked bacon cheddar and egg sandwich with sriracha and then an iced coffee venti with almond milk in the liquid sweetener. Goddamn delicious way to start your day. Yeah, apparently. Anyways, we got real off. Real yeah, we did. It started with Alfred's Brita, and then yeah, so, I just don't. Do you guys like sushi? This... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, big sushi guy. Okay, what? But, my, but kind of my where, weird. Hold on, where were you going with it? Take, I was but, just wondering uh, if you like sushi. So is it nothing? Nothing to it. Yeah, like one of my. That's another of, thing I've never tried. Maybe weird food things is that I love sushi, but like. I will not eat, like, seafood, which, like, you know, when it's that not, you know, like, a sushi roll. I know. It is weird. Like, I so, don't like, eat... You, you won't eat, like, a salmon filet, but no. you'd eat, like, salmon sushi? Yeah. Would you... Do you eat, like, salmon nigiri? Like, the, like, raw salmon? Yeah. Sometimes. I gotta be in the right That's mood great. for it, though. I know. Alfred, you've never had sushi? No. It's never looked appetizing enough for me to eat it. 
We should go to All You Can Eat and then we can. No. I've, I've been we'll to All You Can it. Eat Sushi and, we'll not, film it. Uh, and not ordered yeah. sushi. There's content we'll make right a YouTube video for House of CFL. Yeah. Alfred goes to All get You Can Ro- Eat. Get sushi. Robbie Smith out there so we can add a little CFL mix into the. Yeah, you Alfred, you're not CFL enough for it. Oh, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> shit, bro. It's it crazy. One this. thing, one thing I, one thing I gotta say is the CFL has me fucked up, bro. They, they like, Eddie. If you Google my name, it will say I'm an offensive lineman. I don't even know why. I have I think... no idea why. When was the last <laughs> time you played an offensive snap, Alfred? Bro. What? Um, I think there was a package in high school that you played like tight end. Yeah, that's about it. Like, they had it me on offensive lineman. Offensive lineman, like, 6'3", 233. Yeah, like, come on, bro. Like, I, wow. that's, that pisses according, me off. According to uh, Donald Trump's um, height and weight that he came out with. You guys haven't yeah. seen that meme? Yeah, yeah, that? okay, yeah. So Alfred, you're you're six three two thirty three. Yeah. You could you could play offensive line at that weight. Yeah, you're if you're, we, big, like if you're we, bigger than Donald. Like Trump. if we're going on the if we're going on the Trump scale, then yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're big yeah, enough to play offense. You're probably too big to play offensive line. If you're being honest. <laughs> yeah, we're going off the Trump scale. <laughs> um. Anyway, <laughs> so Alfred has Edmonton to win this game. <laughs> um, Troy, yeah. who do you think's gonna win Edmonton, Calgary? You're going to uh, be there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my mom will castrate me if I say the Elks. She's a massive Stampeder fan, so I'm going with the, with the Stamps just purely for that reason. You guys you guys got a little... Dude, our, my little family... Roulette, you know, little, little, little CFL yeah. roulette family. We, we cover half CFL the, roulette family. Yeah. My, my, mom, my mom's from Calgary. Well, she's from the kind of Lethbridge. She's from Raymond, actually. Um, home of uh, the Ralphs. Uh, well-known CFL family, but yeah, so she's a Stampeder fan. My dad was born in Moose Jaw, so he was a Ryder fan. Um, I grew up a Tiger Cat fan just because I love tigers from the zoo. And then it's my youngest brother. Apparently, just was like, "Well, I can't cheer for any of these teams." Apparently, so I, I guess he just picked Winnipeg. So yeah, we cover like half the league, man. It's crazy. Yeah, you guys have a jersey of every team in it at the house. Yep. Yeah, we do. Every team, man. Eh? You got an Argos one in there. Yeah, we got an Argos one. Yeah, it's OG. It's Ooh. retro. It's actually, it's actually pretty sick, actually. Who's, who's like, the Argos jersey? Yeah, it doesn't have a number name on it. It's just got a number. It's number ten. I don't. I don't know who right. that would have been, but mm-hmm. it's it's pretty fire. I will Is say. It Damon Allen. No. no, he's number nine. Nine. Okay. But yeah. Um. Anyway, I'm gonna go with Edmonton in this one as well. Um, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty pumped for Trey Ford to win his third game in a row, uh, and keep things rolling here for the Elks who are just coming off that win against the Ottawa Red Blacks to the tune of thirty to twenty. Also, did want to mention um, rest in peace to Rich Stubler, uh, passed away earlier today. Longtime legendary coach in the Canadian Football League, um, hired for the first time as defensive coordinator with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, in 1983, he was there until 1989. He then spent a season with the Argos as their DC, 
then four years with Edmonton as their DC before spending two seasons in Oregon uh, with the Ducks. He then went back to the Eskimos. Um, he went to the BC Lions. He left for the Arena Football League, came back to the Argos in 2003 till 2007 as the assistant head coach and defensive coordinator before becoming the head coach in 2008. He was fired after 10 games. They started four and six. Um, then BC, Edmonton, BC, Calgary, Toronto, Montreal, BC, and Toronto to close out his CFL coaching career. Uh, a true legend of the Canadian Football League and very, very sad. He was born in 1948. Uh, he died earlier today. We're recording this on Sunday. Uh, he was 74 years of age. So really, really sad to hear about that. Um, and Rich Stubler and our thoughts are with uh, his family at the moment. I did also want to mention to you guys before we go. Uh, the first CFL Scouting Bureau rankings came out. Um, so they ranked the top 20 eligible CFL players. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, today is August 28th. Um, university players have until uh, Wednesday at 5 p.m. to either declare their class of 2024 and push it back to 2025 or if they're a 2025 guy and they want to reclassify for 2024 um they have until wednesday at 5 p.m to do that uh nathan Rourke's little brother curtis who's the quarterback at ohio uh he's from oakville he is number one there are 16 ncaa guys on this list only four u sports guys Two of them coming from UBC, both of them offensive linemen. We also have Nick Weeb, a stellar linebacker at Saskatchewan. He was also a former Oregon Duck. Um, oh, no. And and then we uh, round out with John Boss, who's an offensive lineman at the University of Calgary. So no OUA, no RSEQ, no AUS players on this list. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people look at this and say this is bad for U sports. I look at it and say it's good for Football Canada for put it, putting so many of these guys, so many Canadians to NCAA programs that we have 16 guys who are eligible for the CFL draft who are coming from the NCAA. I mean, I don't think, I mean, I think that's kind of the same thing that happened in the last few years. Um, it's been heavy on the, uh, unless there's a extremely like a freak athlete. Um, like we've seen in the last few years, like Anthony Bennett or uh, late Corte Moore. I mean, guys usually show up in you know in the last in the last few standings um, after a full you know season. So um, yeah, I don't think it's a any. I don't think it's a big deal at all. And um, yeah, I mean, look what happened in the draft. You know, most guys that got drafted early were, you know, guys that played in Canada. You know, so I don't think it's a it's going to be a big deal. But um, but yeah, it's always a great, great look to see, you know, a lot of guys down south, you know, with Canadian heritage, Canadian roots, you know, balling. So, you know, it's all it's, it's a it's a win win regardless. It's a it's a good look regardless. Yeah, it's it's been pretty cool the last several seasons watching NCAA um, and seeing that. You know, John Menchie, um, you know, Chase and Sidney Brown, uh, Chuba Hubbard, obviously. Just like seeing that these Canadians are in the top of, you know, they, they're considered like top 25 players in NCAA where, you know, there's guys that we've seen like Trevor Lawrence and this year it's going to be like Caleb Williams. Like it's just crazy to me to 
watch games and go, wow, look at that dude balling out. And then you look him up and he's Canadian. And I think, I think, yeah, it's great for the sport of football, um, especially Canadian football. And I don't think that it's really, I don't think it really looks poorly on U sports either because they're still generating talent, right? It's just these Canadians are getting recognition down South that they wouldn't have gotten prior. And um, I think that the U sport game is still probably at the best that it's been. Um, and just the fact that that's able to coincide with the fact that we're seeing super talented dudes from Canada playing in the NCAA, I think is really great for the sport. And you know what? We are getting some good Americans who are coming up and playing university football here as well. Um, <clears throat> also to mention on that uh, number 16 on this list, a Jew, a Jew, uh, garden city community college. Uh, he was at Clemson previously. Um, so he ranks 16th on this list. And I also wanted to give a shout out to Isaiah Adams, who comes in at number five offensive lineman at Illinois. Uh, he was 2023 preseason watch list for the Outland trophy awarded to the best college football interior lineman in the United States. He was a 2022 all big 10 third team. Uh, he was named to the 2024 Reese's senior bowl watch list. Uh, he started all 13 games for Illinois last year. Uh, he played at garden city community college. Um, he was a division one junior college first team, all American, but he did play at Wilfrid Laurier university go Hawks um, before he transferred to garden city um, during COVID. Uh, so I did want to give a shout out to him. So as although he's not represented as a U sports guy, he is an OUA guy, did get his start playing at Wilfrid Laurier before transferring um, to junior college and then going on to the NCAA to play at Illinois. And he's from Ajax, Ontario. And before we go, I did want to say that U sports football started this past weekend. It started on Friday night um, when the Laval Rouge or uh, started their Vanier Cup title defense. They won 37 to 14 over Sherbrooke. Um, we got a crazy game in the AUS. The Acadia Axemen um, beat the Mount Allison Mounties 15 to 13. And if you didn't see the end of that game, go check out the House of CFL Instagram page and watch the video. One of the craziest endings to a football game that you will ever see. The University of Guelph Griffin started their season with a 33-10 win over Toronto. Western rolled over York 83 to nothing. Um, York currently doesn't have a head coach. Uh, they are going with their offensive and defensive coordinators as co-head coaches. Uh, St. FX beat Bishops 22-8. to Montreal rolled over McGill uh, in a city battle. Um, that was 43-11 was the final score. The Windsor Lancers upset McMaster on the road 21-17. The Ottawa GGs today beat Waterloo 29-10. to They did lose their starting quarterback, Ben Miracle, in the process. And, of course, the big game. Um, that was probably the best game of the weekend going into it, ended up being probably the best game coming out of the weekend. Me and Alfred being Laurier Golden Hawks. Um, Laurier went to Richardson Stadium in Kingston and beat the Queens Gales 11 to 10. Beat Dubs! Shout out Matt Caruso for the tackle that forced the Rouge uh, on the missed field goal by Dawson Hodge. And then shout out to the defense beat. for standing up. Uh, tough. They forced two missed field goals by Queens. Both were run out. Uh, Ethan Bayfield, who had never returned a kick before that game against Queens, um, returned two kicks out of the end zone, including the last one that was missed on the field goal, not to give up the Rouge and forced the game to go to overtime. Um, so that started it. And then we got full slate of uh, RSEQ, 
AUS, OUA, and Canada West games. Canada West gets underway this weekend. Calgary and Alberta, <laughs> Regina, UBC, Manitoba, Saskatchewan. Yeah, go Dino. Yes, sir. Go Dino. Uh, you know, I need to find a way to put what Troy did on, on like, something. I need, I need to clip that. I, I, I can't that. wait. Uh, Alfred Laurier is hosting Carlton on Sunday. What do you think's happening there? Two and zero. Two and zero for the purple and gold, baby. That's all. That's all. I, that's all. I, that's all is gonna happen. All right. Well, I can't uh, put my prediction on the game. I'm calling it on OUA TV and Radio Laurier, so I won't guess what's gonna happen. But uh, I think. Well, I'll say Laurier will win for you. Oh, thank you so much, Troy. Oh, I would God. never. Hey, say hey you that wear purple Calgary. and gold too, man. That's yeah. true. You look good in purple and yellow, man. I am. I am repping the purple today, but just uh, don't, I, just don't start jumping on the Hawks train when they win after they win the Yates Cup and they're about to go win a VMA Cup. That's no, all man. I ask. If you're gonna I'm, jump I'm on always, the bandwagon, do it now. Do it now while it's early. I I will pick Laurier as my OUA team, but I'm Dinos till I die. So. Yeah, well, they're not even going to make the playoffs. Oh, they're respectfully it's been, they're going to be terrible this season. But you know, we got who's going to be the team out west? Is it UBC this year? Yeah, I got to be UBC for I sure. I think they're the, I think they're my favorite to win the Canada West. Saskatchewan's still going to be good, man. Yeah, got a good head coach in Scott Flory, former offensive lineman. That, uh, All they do is just churn out old linemen. So that's how you win games in the trenches out west. Is uh, that's how you win games out West is in the trenches. And Saskatchewan has proven the last couple of years that they definitely know how to do that. So th- they'll be in the mix for sure. It'll be between Sask and uh, and UBC. I like Alberta um, kind of as a dark horse team as well. But I think I got to give the edge right now to uh, Malcolm's boys up in UBC. All right. Well, there we go. That does it for this week's episode of the Five yard halo. Alfred is an absolute psychopath by the way that he pours his cereal and the way that he thinks about it, how he drinks his water. Uh, and let's enjoy week 13, Labor Day weekend. Argos are going to beat Hamilton in Hamilton for a second time this season. This is the Five Yard Halo podcast. It's brought to you by Showtime Digital, Eating Them Raw, and the House of CFL. Shh.